plastic cups, inside of paper cups, inside of plastic cups. Hello and welcome to Classic Cups, Inside Paper Cups, Inside Plastic Cups. I'm Dennis Wilson and this is... Omar Rabadi. Hey Omar, happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. I think this is uh, the first time we've done this on a weekend, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the first time we've done it. Well, we, I think our first episode was on a Saturday. That's right, um, that's right. Yeah. Yes, so second time. Yeah, how was your weekend? It was good, it was good. The weather's nice. Uh, you know, got, you know, unfortunately can't really do things like hang out in public spaces like I normally would in Philly on the weekend, but, you know, hang, hung out in my backyard a lot, walk, jog. So it was good. How about you? Yeah, it was good to have a nice weather. So we went to um, the Pine Barrens over in South Jersey. It's about a, a half hour drive away. Um, we uh, went there with uh, Louie, our dog, and Dave and Emma in separate automobiles, just to be clear. Um, and we kept our distance, but we went for a little hike and then had a couple beers uh, while I was just hanging out there. So that was good. That was a lot of fun. Cool, cool, cool. Is that where we went canoeing that one time or is that somewhere else in New Jersey? Well, yeah, where we went canoeing is like truly the Pine Barrens and uh, the Wharton State Forest in New Jersey. Um, this place that I found is called the Winslow Wildlife Management Area and it's, um, it looks like the Pine Barrens, but it's not quite what I think most would consider the Pine Barrens. I don't know how technical the definition is, but it's just kind of this little kind of um, just track of land, wildlife management area where it's just uh, some sandy roads and pine trees and stuff. Um, and so it's just, you can get there in 30 minutes as opposed to like uh, almost an hour to go where we go for canoeing. So it's just like real quick way to get out, out of the city. And I often go there and, and jog with the dog. Cool, cool. So today, today's May 3rd and uh, day 41 of the lockdown, I believe. Uh, so yeah, yeah, my weeks, you know, things have been good. I've been staying inside a little bit. I did get one of those two guitars I mentioned last week. It was a little bit of an adventure, maybe. I ended up, I ended up canceling the one that I didn't want, but then they sent it to the wrong place. It was delivered to mm. Wilmington. Yeah, jeez. And then I called them and explained to them the situation that they sent it to the wrong place. And they said, okay, we'll send you, we'll send it to you now. And then I ended up, it may have been my fault because they said, which, you know, which one did you want? I said, whichever one was canceled, just send me that one. And I guess that one was the one that I canceled. I ended up with the one of the two I wasn't asking for. <laughs> but another twist is, I think I said last week it was a nylon string guitar. Yeah, yeah. It actually isn't. It just looks like that because the top of the guitar is stringed in such a way, and it's oh, and it's okay. not a and it's like a three fourth size guitar. I guess it's called a parlor guitar. Hmm. So. Long story short, I really like it. It's fun. So I maybe just the universe wanted me to have this one instead of the other one. So yeah, well, I mean, it, it being smaller uh, could be advantageous um, because usually means that the fretboard is smaller, and so it's usually a little easier to put, press down the strings and just to kind of navigate um, across the fretboard. Because um, sometimes, like acoustic guitars, can be like really meaty, and you have to have a lot of finger strength, and it can be kind of not fun to play at first. So being smaller might actually be, be good for, uh, well, I don't know, you're not quite a beginner, but you're still in the early stages. Yeah, and it's it's kind of nice if when I'm like laying on the couch, it's so much smaller. So if it's like, you know, 8 p.m. and I'm tired and I don't quite have the full energy to like sit up straight, it's kind of easier to just kind of like half lay down and play. And uh, it's a nice change of pace, so. Cool. Yep. Uh, everyone, don't forget to email us at our mailbag questions, plastic cups, inside paper cups at gmail.com. Uh, should we get to the mailbag? Well, just before we get to the mailbag, I wanted to just, we, uh, we, got, um, we got kicked off of Spotify for a period of time oh, last right. week, remember? And I was just, yeah. you know, 
Um, I don't know what was going on. I thought it was like because they caught us like sometimes we embed music in the podcast. Our theme song is, you know, we did not get a license from CCR to use it. So I thought maybe they were picking that up and I was like, oh no, we're gonna have to go back and edit all, all the music out of every episode. And all of a sudden it just kind of like five hours later pack, popped back up on Spotify. So crisis averted. Um, hopefully they don't take us down again. Yeah, I, there's part of me that wants to, ask them like hey why did you take us down but i also don't want to draw attention oh you'll never get an answer from them i mean it's just kind of like i mean i've read the message boards about like even just getting it up there why is my podcast not getting it approved you you just it's impossible to uh, get any actual human contact with spotify except through your cousin pete he he has a connection he says well that could have been why i got back up you might have (laughs) strong-armed somebody yeah yeah, so we're still on Spotify, we're on Apple, we're on Google, we're on SoundCloud. So, Jim, if you're listening to this, obviously you found us, but tell, tell all your friends. Right. That all right let's get to the mailbag then. Yeah, let's get to the mailbag. All right, this is from Jensen. First off, he says, baseball learn it. Yogi Bear is a top five catch. I think that's directed. Wait, what, what's it, what did he say? Baseball learn it. Yogi Berra is a top five catcher. I think that's yeah. directed towards you. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's, I, I'm not surprised by that top five catcher, but kind of like being a top five catcher is what's that land you in time in terms of the best baseball players of all time. I don't know, catcher seems to be like... Or a person that's quoted all the time. Yeah, that's, a, that's more impressive. That's my, that was my point. Yeah, take that, Jensen. Take that, Jensen. Uh, all right, so his actual question is, would you rather be able to fix cars? Sorry, would you rather be able to fix car brakes, change and install on an electrical socket, or do basic surgery on a wound? And why? Uh, why don't you take it first? Hey, I'm letting some motorcycles go by. Jeez. Are they going like 130 miles an hour? Well, there's like a whole pack. Can you hear it or no? No, I can't hear it. Okay, probably fine then. Okay, so change car brakes, um, fix an electrical socket, or repair, like, or operate, I guess, on a on a wound. Yes, I think the last one because it's well, it's it's um, it could be most important if it was you know really critical, and also. I don't know anything about that, so I, I could I could change an electrical socket. I know enough about it, and I've done some like household electronics enough that electrical wiring to know it's not really that difficult. It's just like matching wires. So I wouldn't take that because I, I feel like I could do it. And installing car brakes, I've participated in installation of car brakes or replacement, and it's no fun. It's it's really uh, not enjoyable. So. I, I don't even want it. Even if I like, I, I could do that as well. If you want on YouTube, like I could do it, but like it's it's a lot of work. And so I'm gonna go with wounds. What about you? So I'm I'm gonna eliminate wounds just because it's not the type of thing I could do in my spare time. So even if I could do it, I don't think I would ever actually do it. Uh, so the other two are more more appealing to me for that reason. Uh, so I guess I'd go with the electrical socket issue because then I could do that in my house or other people's houses here and there. The car brakes thing, kind of like you said, it just seems like a dirty, gross thing. I'd rather not know how to do it so I could just not do it. Yeah, plus you don't have a car. Yeah, and I don't have a car, so (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it would ever come up for me. Yeah, it would be handy for your place if you, you know, continue to renovate places to be able to do some of that kind of thing or just, you know, you know, if, if it went if it went out instead of having to pay somebody to do everything, I'm sure you're picking up some things as you go along now that you own two houses. Yeah, a, l- a little bit of stuff here and there. Yeah. All right, All what right. Else is in the mailbag? So next mail- mailbag question. All right, so this is from Claire Weatherspoon. Uh, about seven weeks ago, you two were complete nobodies. Now you can't walk down the streets of Philadelphia, even with masks on, without being recognized. How, what are you doing to not let it go to your head? 
Yeah, that's a good question. It's hard um, not to get caught up in it. Um, you know, I think that uh, I just realized, you know, we all have a, a job to do here on earth and ours is apparently now podcasting. And so, you know, I just, you know, everybody's got to, you know, uh, not to say that we're essential workers, but everybody does something essential to make the world go around. And so it just happens to be that we're really good at podcasting. And, and so I just, you know, I take it with grace. What about you? Uh, yeah, I just look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, yeah, that, that guy has some issues. It sort of, <laughs> it, 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 it sort of whittles away at my ego when I do that. <laughs> you just break yourself down emotionally. Yeah, emotionally, but also physically, like I'll like lift my shirt up a little and be like, that's a little too much of a beer belly. Like, you're not that impressive. Well, yeah, each, each, we each have our own approach. <laughs> And uh, our last mailbag question is tempeh a pickle? What tempeh? What do you mean tempeh? What is tempeh? So tempeh is, I'm sure you've had it. It's common in like vegan restaurants. It's, um, it's a, uh, all right, so let, oh, let me look up the definition. Yeah, I'm, go I'm Googling it because I, I feel like I've heard of it, but. It's kind of T-E-M-P-E-H. Oh, E-H, okay. So tempeh is basically it's soy not a pickle. pickle. It's well, not a pickle. Well, well, let me let me lay it out a little bit. Okay. It soybeans that are fermented. Mm -hmm. So soybeans are, in a sense, vegetables, and fermenting isn't that what we do to make cucumbers pickles? So this is a thing. Like I wish I could. I, as, a, as a somewhat a pickle authority, I should know better, but you don't need uh, fermentation to occur in order for something to be a pickle. So again, um, the, um, you know, the pickling action um, is changing. I believe the P like the most common denominator is that it's an acidic solution um, that changes the pH level. Therefore, preventing bacteria from, like bad bacteria from growing there. There's also some pickles that happen, there's a lacto-fermentation process, um, but it's not required for it to be considered a pickle. So I don't think that it, you know, to your question that if there's fermentation, does that make it a pickle? No, it's like, that's some, in some cases, some pickles are fermented. So what does make it a pickle though? Like how could we, what what would we do to soybeans to make it a pickle? You would be using a brine um, that would change the acidity level inside the vegetable so that it could be preserved because a certain acidic level prevents like bad bacteria from growing there. Okay, cool, cool. All right. And so we got to get that pickles expert on here because yeah. they would be able to um, <laughs> explain it a lot better. Um, and I hope I'm not wrong on that entirely because that would be really disappointing. Well, it's a process. It's a process. Sometimes you have, you're right and sometimes you're wrong before you're right. Yeah. Yeah, because I, when I make pickles, I don't make pickles that are like, I don't know, they're not created in a way that they would be like, you know, like a lot of pickles um, were made when people were traveling from Europe, the old world to America to preserve their foods. And so they had a long travel by sea. And so they basically pickled everything. So they could be like, Oh, we're going to have, you know, cauliflower, we're going to have pickle or uh, cucumbers. We have this. Um, so when, but like the way I'm making them, isn't quite as, uh, as a rigorous process, it's like a fridge pickle. So you don't have to worry about it fermenting properly. You just keep it cold and let the acidity take hold. So it's like, it's kind of like a, a poor man's, a, a novice pickle, I would say. Okay, cool, cool. So I'm pretty excited about our first guest. No, yeah. Sorry, our second guest, but second our guest, guest today. 
Our yeah. first non-human guest. Yeah, so, well, let's, do we want to tease anything? No, I don't think you do. I think we want to just get into it. So should we uh, dial him in? Yeah, let's dial him in. to introduce our guest for this evening, and his name is Bobby Hippo. So, Bobby, Mr. Hippo, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. And what should I call you? Uh, you can call me Bobby. Okay. Well, yeah, glad to have you, uh, Bobby. Uh, Omar and I have been hoping to get you on uh, on the podcast for quite a few weeks now, so it's, it's good to have you here. Yeah, man. You know, I'm really excited because, uh, you know, I just want to get my story out there, man. I think my side of the story needs to be heard. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, well, why don't we get into it then? I mean, I understand you live in Columbia, but that's not really where typically uh, typically hail from. Um, so uh, could you give us a little bit of a background on, on how you end up in Columbia? Sure, man. So, uh, so I'm from the south of France. Um, you know, th me and three of my other hippo compadres, um, were, you know, in the south of France, man, we had a straight edge rock band back in the 70s. And the name of the band, uh, just so you're aware, it was, the name is Pink Floyd. Not that Pink Floyd, but, you know, it's, uh, we're, we're boxing fans. So we were really into Floyd Patterson back then. So uh, we're all from the south of France. And, you know, we were just trying to make the band happen, man. Uh, artists, you know, and like any artist, you just want to see your craft and see your art get out there, man. And, uh, you know, we played in this local club in the south of France, you know, uh, the French town, you know, the, the French sounding one. Uh, and one night after we played our set, there's this guy that showed up and he had like this funny looking hair and uh, he introduced himself and he says, his name is Pablo. Um, and I said, Hey Pablo, what's going on, man? What's up? And he's like, I like your music. I, I want to be straight with you. I sell cocaine. I would like to invite you and your band to be my house band. But also since you're four hippos, I want you guys to also be in my crazy zoo. So that was the offer. And, uh, you know, I talked it over with my band and we were like, sure, dude, whatever. So it does, it's not too much of a, uh, I think, assumption on my part to believe that his name is Pablo. This is the, I believe you said the 70s and he sells cocaine. So this is Pablo Escobar. Yeah, yeah, you know, Pablo Escobar. Yeah. So I've got a lot of questions about hippos just in general before we get specifically to you. But let's say I'm a human being and I want to look at a hippo kind of up close, but I don't want to be attacked by a hippo because I know you hippos are mad tough. What, what, what can I do to not get attacked but also get a good look? See, and that's one of the things I want to clear up, man, because, like, I like I hear all this press lately since, like, Pablo became super popular and he has this TV show. Uh, you know, we're getting this bad rap in Colombia for, like, over uh, allegedly overtaking the country. But, you know, hippos are just hippos, man. And I think the first thing is if you approach a hippo, like, normally, not gawking at us, treat us with a little bit of respect, I think you'll get a little bit of hippo respect back, man. 
And that's the thing. I, I feel like hippos are just so misunderstood right now. As, as part of it is all this Netflix glamour stuff or whatever. I just want to be like, I'm a normal hippo, man. That's all I'm saying. Some hippos are a little, they get a little, get a little uptight sometimes. I'm not that hippo, man. I'm just a, I'm a, I'm an artist. Well, so you mentioned that yeah, I've seen some of these reports about the hippos overrunning in Colombia. But get us to Colombia. How how did you go from a conversation with Pablo at a club to uh, ended up in Colombia? Oh yeah, yeah. So so when we're at the club, man, he's like, hey, yeah, you okay? So I talked about it with my buddies. We all huddled. We're like, hey, you know, this is like some dude we don't know, and uh, we've been in France our whole lives. What do you think? And we're all like, yeah, man, let's do it. And so then we went and we told Pablo, yeah. And Pablo's like, okay, great. I got this small airplane. I flew all the way from Columbia. We're going to get in this plane right now and fly all the way back to Columbia. Let's do this. And so within like an hour, we're in this plane, this small plane. us four hippos with Pablo Escobar. And we're flying over like the Atlantic Ocean. It was like an eight-hour flight or something like that. I can't remember. It was the 70s, dude. Um, but it was straight edge. Remember that. So that also the condition was like, We'll be your band, Pablo. We'll be in your zoo, but we don't do cocaine because we're super straight edge, dude. Oh, well, you guys did that. Did that stand up once you got to uh, to South America? Uh, you know, I guess that's part of this, the 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 foibles of being a rock band, right? You have your principles when you start out, you know. Um, you start writing songs in your house or in your basement or in your woodshed. And uh, you have principles, you have integrity. All of a sudden, next thing you know, you're Pablo Escobar's house band and you keep playing these gigs all day and then you gotta be in the zoo all night. And I don't know about you, man, but if you gotta work all day and all night, only one way you're gonna keep it going. And we kept it going by drinking lots of coffee while Pablo Dial the Blow. Oh, okay. So I, I find it interesting that hippos are so big and strong and powerful, but at the same time, you're vegetarians. Yeah, um, yeah, us hippos, man, like, we're very innovative animals. And I will tell you, like, everybody nowadays, they're all about their vegan stuff and plant-based and all that. We were plant-based back in the 70s, man. Like, I was eating Beyond Meat before there was Beyond Meat. Um, totally drinking shakes and working out, man. I was getting ripped and cut. I was in the gym because I was eating all this plant stuff. And uh, like side note, like you guys, you, you watch that American football stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, me and Dennis are more of basketball guys, but we watch American football. Well, there's this guy I met a long time ago, man. I, uh, there's this guy, he said he was in college at the time. His name was Tom. Last night. Brady, yeah. Anyway, he, he's always been into South America and all that stuff. And I think he married a girl from Brazil or something like that. Anyway, she, she's not important. Anyway, I ran into this guy. We were in uh, we were at a bar one night, and then he, you know, he liked to party and came back to Pablo's house. And I was trying to tell him, like, I don't understand your football, but what I do understand, man, is that you got to be plant-based. And you got to be eating the right stuff if you're going to be serious about your sports ball. And he listened. And nowadays, like, you know, he's like 80,000 years old, and he still, like, plays from what I understand. I don't know football. I just know I told him, eat plants, man. So the moral story is you absolutely can be strong and do stuff if you eat plants like a hippo. Have you ever tried meat just out of curiosity? No, it's disgusting. Uh, once somebody tried to put it into my protein shake after I'd done like a couple hours at the gym, I got real mad. I slapped him. I told him, don't ever give me meat again. It's offensive. Well, I think some of the misconception uh, around what, you know, um, what hippos consume is like, you're so large and, um, you know, I understand that in the early 1900s that, that hippos were actually classified with pigs uh, based on the molar patterns, but but now it's understood that you're actually the closest living relatives are are whales, dolphins, and porpoises. Um, so I mean, all of those of which eat uh, plant-based diet. So I think there's just a lot of misunderstanding amongst the, the public. 
Yeah, yeah, those are our distant cousins. Uh, like, we, we have a family reunion every, like, eight years uh, in the Gulf, you know. So we go up there, and we all kind of converge. And it's a good time, man. We have uh, some nice vegan dishes, swim in the water, uh, watch The Little Mermaid. Man, it's a good time. Yeah, and I feel like, but I feel like we're burying the lead here because let's get back to the Pablo story because I feel like, you know, you, you told us your dated, you know, a little bit about your day-to-day, you're playing gigs, you're, you're hanging out in his, in his exotic animal zoo. But what's it really like day-to-day? I mean, he was known for being a, a brutally violent drug kingpin, um, you know, take no prisoners kind of approach to basically running that country for probably more than a decade. So what was it really like there day to day? I think, man, you, you have to, this is what I would say about Pablo. I think you, you got to put yourself in the shoes of any kind of uh, mogul, tyrant, baron, dictator kind of dude. Like, uh, yeah, he, he had an edge to him for sure. Like, he didn't want to mess with him all that much. But all I can say is my experience is, is Bobby Hippo, man. Uh, Pablo's a pretty chill guy when he was away from work. And I think that's the thing. Like, he really cherished his time with us is, like, time away from work. So, like, he'd come in. He'd bring, like, uh, you know, he'd bring, like, a couple of hoagies. And, like, he just want to sit back and watch football, man. Uh, you know, Colombian football, not that American football. And we would, you know, watch that. You know, we'd watch the game, play a couple of rounds of Monopoly. And, you know, then he'd go back to work and he'd murder people. Um, you know, I'm not saying I saw that, but that's what I hear he did. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty like, documented that he's responsible for the deaths of, like, potentially thousands of people and held a country hostage. Um, so, um, I don't know. I, 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 would, I would think somebody that, you know, with a, you know, approach to vegan or a, a vegetarian lifestyle, that I, I take it then you're not a... It would have some like a little bit more of a regard for human life, but I guess maybe it's just human human life that you don't have respect for, or or maybe you're just a vegetarian not for the ethical reasons. Something seems unresolved. Uh, all right, man, I'll come clean. Like, yeah, so I I do have a little bit of an obesity problem. That's true. So it, the vegan stuff is probably for my own uh, self gratification. There, you got it. There, are you happy? Well, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just trying to understand that. Oh, no, 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 hey, no, no shame, dude. No, like this is what's all about. I'm getting my story out. Yeah, if I were to defend Pablo Escobar, if I were to just play devil's advocate, he would say that look, there was a power vacuum. I filled the power vacuum. Someone else would have if I didn't. I was, and I was also charitable to the people around me. I wasn't just some drug kingpin. I gave a, gave a lot to charity, gave a lot to the people, make sure everybody was well-fed. Was that your experience with him? Like, he seemed to try, even though, you know, he was a drug kingpin, at the same time, he's trying to take care of those around. Yeah, you know, so here's a funny story about Pablo. Uh, for some reason, even though Pablo's native Colombian and, you know, you know, very patriotic to Colombia, he had this obsession with American food holidays. And he would always celebrate every single one of them as if he was from like Detroit, Michigan. Um, so every uh, November, even though it was like super hot in Colombia, he would pass out turkeys to uh, the people of, of Colombia in Medellin, uh, just handing out turkeys. And everybody would always get confused, but because like people kind of were afraid of Pablo, they just took the turkeys and they'd go about the business. So, uh, yeah, he did a lot of good, maybe uh, peculiar good, but it was good, I guess. And so, you know, eventually he fell. Um, but are you still, um, you're still in Colombia. You're still on what I understand is, I guess, now just a, that is, what is it, a wilderness area? Like, uh, what, what is your current living situation? No, uh, so after the whole Pablo thing, I realized that, uh, you know, and, and, and this is, so this is why I want to get my story out. And I'll be honest, like, you're, you're making me come to terms with what I did. Um, I was basically 
an accessory of entertaining a pretty vicious dude. So I had to get away from that past and I had to clean my clean up my act, whatever pieces of that need to be cleaned up. So I'm old, so I'm in Bogota now. Um, I'm a yoga instructor. And I'm all about just man staying vegan, helping people find their zen, their balance, teaching people downward dogs and upward mooses, all these different moves to help people be better. And so yeah, I'm away from that that Pablo stuff. But yeah, man, like I've heard that actually. Uh, again, people perceive hippos to be a problem in Colombia. I'm here to let you know that's not the case, man. I'm just trying to help people. So speaking of people, you know, you have an interesting perspective in that you're not a person, but you've, you're talking to us and you can give us your perspective on the human race as an outsider. Like what, what advice would you give to humanity? Uh, I think, so I think like the hippo way of life compared to the human way of life, uh, you guys seem to have a lot more hangups than us hippos. Um, and maybe that's, I guess maybe if, like, maybe that's why hippos are getting such a bad rap in Columbia right now. You know, the humans want us to conform to their ways and they kind of like, they're, uh, they're buzzkill, man. They're killing my vibe. Uh, they keep saying we're overrunning the population and all this stuff. They're mad because, uh, you know, we, we've kind of uh, multiplied in Bogota and everywhere else. But here's the thing, man. I'm a hippo. I got active loins. When you have active loins, you, you multiply. You know what I'm talking about, right? You, both of you guys got active loins? Active loins. It, um, uh, uh, I didn't know that was a thing. That's like you mean that you have a you have a drive to reproduce. Yeah, because I'm a hippo. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Well, yeah. I mean, I don't. You know, I feel like I'm coming down hard on you, uh, Bobby. But you know, everybody's. I mean, the human race also has a drive to recreate or reproduce. But uh, you know, you have to be. Um, also, you know, in a position to take care of whatever you produce. And so, you know, wh where's your, what's the story with your offspring? Do you have offspring? Do you have, are you close with them? Are you financially responsible for them? Uh, the way it works out when you're hippo, man, no, you no money, nothing at all. Uh, you know, again, I'm just an artist. Like, I, I impart some wisdom. I inspire, but money and responsibilities, I don't know what that stuff means. Oh, so 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 you're a, f a fairly delinquent father, is what you're saying? Uh, you know the basically your responsible your responsibility as a hippo father is uh, you know the the hippo the baby hippo you know is born right and then kind of wallows around and falls over on its side. The mom picks him up and dusts the mud off his back. I look at him in the eye and I say, hey, you know, I'm your dad. You should know that. And I got to go now. And that's the hippo way of life. That's what keeps us kind of like not too hung up about stuff. It's right, been like that for thousands not, of years. You're, but that, that's fine, you know, maybe in the earlier days of quote unquote hippo life. But you're not really just living a hippo life anymore. You're, you said you're, you're in a band. You're live, you're you know, uh, and now you're a yoga instructor. So don't you feel like that you should, um, now that you're becoming kind of, you know, more human that, that you should uh, abide by, you know, the, the norms of uh, human society, or do you feel like you, you could straddle those worlds? Oh man. Oh. All right. You got me. Okay, fine. All right. Look, uh, look, Okay, yeah, I got like five uh, alimony payments I make, and I'm trying not to talk about the money stuff all that much because every time I talk about money, I get another alimony case. Pretty rough, dude. Well, yeah, I guess so. I guess it's rough, dude. Um, I don't know. Um, 
I mean, I wish you the best. And, and is the is the yoga business, uh, you know, good for you? And it's good for your overall well being. Yeah, I find that what's good about the yoga stuff, man. I get to, so I got like this sweet uh, yoga studio in Bogota. Um, so you know, of course, there's there's a lot actually cool yoga money to make because you got all these young millennial. Colombian yoga people so I charge them like tons of money but don't tell them about that and then they buy all these shakes that uh I make it's a pretty good racket dude what kind of shakes you making uh mostly plant-based but uh I also put a little special hippo sauce in it I can't tell you the secrets man <laughs> but if you want to buy some let me know man I can ship them uh to where you guys live Cool, cool. Any, anything else you'd like to promote while you're here? Yeah, uh, you know, I'm still into my music, uh, but, the, you know, I've changed with the times. Like, yeah, we used to be a straight edge, like me and, and my hippo band. Like, uh, every now and then we'll get together. Uh, we'll play some cover sets in uh, Bogota. But also on the side, especially since a lot of people have been quarantined, like I've been doing... Uh, a lot of craft work DJ sets on Instagram. So you can check out my Instagram for that. But uh, yeah, yeah, uh, that's pretty much the thing, man. Yoga and music and uh, Instagram DJing. Hmm. Interesting. Well, it's good to hear. I'm sure it's inspiring for our other, um, you know, listeners that have also been, you know, exotic animals kept in, um, you know, in 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 cat in, in a captive environment hopefully this is inspiring that there's life after that i know it sounds like you felt like you were buddies for uh with 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 uh, pablo i don't i don't know I, I still feel like you you know need a little bit more space from that experience to fully digest it because it sounds like you know uh he, he he did keep you captive and he was a brutal person so i wish you the best uh, but I think your story is inspiring, and, and so, you know, maybe we can hear from you again. Yeah, I would love to come back. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Uh, Pablo Escobar is a vicious tyrant and a uh, horrible human being, but uh, he gave us three squares a meal a day. Uh, he played Monopoly with us, and, you know, I met Tom Brady out of it before he was, like, a superstar. So. Wait, you, you played Monopoly? You guys never played Hungry Hippo? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. You're, uh, it's a, it's a game. Yeah, you'd love it. I don't know about that. I don't know if I like the sound of that, that game. Yeah, it's just this game for kids where there's the hippos, because hippos eat, like, you know, slobs, and so, like, they're garbling, they're gobbling up all these marbles, so it's, um, it's, it's You know, hey, man, uh, not to get, like, too serious here, but you know, uh, we hippos don't take kindly to that game. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, it is kind of making fun of hippos. I, w I, I hear you. All right. I, yeah, I guess, you're, I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit not cool, man. All right. Well, All right, well I, I didn't mean to offend you, Bobby. Um, uh, no, no, take it, man. I'm a yoga instructor. It's cool. Man. Yeah, I mean, we have, you know... A, Omar and I are, are, uh, are and this podcast are, are known for our, our edgy humor. So, you know, it's all part of the, it's all part of the fun. Oh yeah. I've been listening to your guys' podcast, man. Uh, you know, the one thing is I hope you guys don't like, uh, I hope the, the music man doesn't come down on you because you guys have awesome music taste. Appreciate it. Well, we'll have to, you know, maybe we, if, if we do get shut down because of uh, copyright infringement, we can, you'll license us some of your, um, you know, your, your music from the seventies. Yeah, you could do that. Or, um, yeah, like the covers of, so, uh, right now, well, before the whole quarantine thing, we had a residency in a local Bogota bar and what we were doing were, uh, Pearl Jam covers. Mm. I'd love to check that out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next time. Yeah. We'll talk more about that. All right. Absolutely. Well, with that, uh, Bobby, um, you know, we'd like to have you back again, maybe, uh, if you're free, but it was great to have you on. Uh, put the word out if, if some of your, your friends are interested in being in the show. We're always looking for 
interested in guests like you. Thank you. Yeah, I'll put a word out for you guys. Take care. All right. Thanks, Bobby. Thank Take you. Care. <laughs> Take care, you crazy little hungry hippo. Hey, man. Hey, I told you. you calm down with that. All right. Well, that was, I don't know, that was a lot to process. It's, um, you know, my first time talking with a hippo. Uh, he's, uh, you know, like we were saying during the break, seems like a slightly, seems like a nice guy, but also somewhat problematic. He seems like an apologist for Pablo Escobar and also is not really taking care of his family, it sounds like. So, I don't know. Interesting guy, I guess, like we're here not necessarily to judge people. We're here to or judge people and, 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 and animals, but like, you know, we, we're just here to get good stories, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's tougher in, in a way, as in he started as a wild animal and then the domestication process, and he's sort of straddling between the two, and yeah. I feel like he has his heart going in both directions. Yeah, I think that's fair. He's a, he's a complex, you know, person, or complex character, just like, um, you know, everybody's complicated so there's yeah so it's not it's not black and white but glad he was on um so i think we have a couple more things for for uh the episode um one of the, the ideas i came up with with was um around 90s jam band names um and so i sent you a, a bunch of names that you know as i was thinking about this um and wanted to, I guess, I don't know, get your reaction to them. But, but to start, like, you know, my question was, like, are 90s jam bands the best band names or the worst band names ever? And we can get into the band names. But were you a jam band fan at all in, in the, you know, the mid to late 90s? No. Uh, I was fairly intense anti-jam band. I was oh, yeah. not, I didn't like listening to them. I was philosophically opposed to them. I, I was in a jam band fan. Uh, I felt you, like they, you said you were philosophically opposed to them? Yes. Okay. I need you to explain. Yeah, go ahead. So I like I liked the Grateful Dead. Great band. You know, I, I'm not as crazy about them, like, really jamming out during concerts. But, like, I get it. That's cool. But I feel like a lot of these jam bands just sort of took the whole live Grateful Dead thing and be like, we're just going to jam out and didn't do what the Grateful Dead focused on, which was developing really great songs and then jamming out from the songs. Now, that being said, I haven't listened to all these bands on this list. I mean, I gave some of them a one or two song listen, but the ones that I hadn't heard of before, so I don't know if this applies to all of these bands, but yeah, so I was never a jam band guy. Okay. What about, what about you? Well, for better or worse, I was. <laughs> I was a fan. Um, I um, and I say that not because you know I went to these a lot of the shows and um, a lot of concerts, and I don't you know I had a good time, and that was kind of like I don't know that was just what was a, like highly available at the time. Um, you know, I went to undergrad at Albany State for a semester. Um, you know, graduated high school in. in late or like 98 so it was like fish was my first concert um at, in 95 and so it was just like that seemed to be i didn't know any and my my musical um uh, horizons were not very broad it was like mostly i was like into f classic rock and then a, a handful of modern bands like tool and rage against the machine but otherwise it was just basically the, the jam bands filled this void of like what was like available like live music. So in Albany state, there was, or in Albany, there was just lots of venues that had these bands. So let me just rip through a couple of the names and, and some people have probably heard of some of these and others are less known, but ominous sea pods, disco biscuits, probably one of the better known ones, uh, string cheese incident, code head Buddha fish, of course, spelled with P H I S H. Deep and in a blackout. Uh, another one is leftover salmon. So, so you know, I want to get your take. Like, what what do those band names make you feel? Like, so I have a I've always had a bone to pick with Fish's name. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't like it when someone else uses the PH to make the fuss sound. I feel like only Philadelphia oh, that's very, should be yeah. able to do that. And they're not from Philadelphia. They didn't do it, you know, to honor Philadelphia. Uh, as far as the other names, I, so I'll say this. I'll say this. I'm glad jam bands have these sort of weird, goofy names because I think it kind of fits the style of music of just sort of like going on and on and jamming out. Uh, yeah. So I feel like they fit. I feel like they kind of fit the names. I mean, sorry, I kind of, they fit the style of music they play. I particularly like Conehead Buddha. I think that's a pretty cool name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I actually, I've only listened to some of these bands and there's others that I listen to more like Strange Folk, which is not a weird name. And it's, they're actually fairly, they're not like, I don't know, like there's different shades, I guess, of jam bands. There's, Mo was a popular one, widespread panic. Um, you know, I, I I didn't I went to see, I've seen um Conehead Buddha. They weren't even that big of a I don't know if they're like an Albany regional band, but um yeah, I, I think you're right. Like they <laughs> they got these goofy names and their songs are usually I don't know, especially if you look look at fish and their early stuff, very goofy, kind of like I don't know, ninth or tenth grade kind of humor of goofiness. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think that you're right in terms of the songwriting. It was just like, yeah, they, they, they took the, um, the signal from the Grateful Dead of like having jamming for a long time, but then kind of totally, I felt like looking back in retrospect, like there's just no, and I don't want to speak broadly across all these bands. Cause I, yeah. really don't, I don't know disco biscuits that well. I just know they kind of sound like, well, like jam band, but yeah, they just kind of like left the songwriting I mean, I'm sure that their fans like their songwriting. I know people like Fish like their their songwriting, but I felt like, yeah, that's where it, it lost me. And like looking back, I'm like, oh, how did how did I go to so many of these shows? It's, it's kind of how how many is so many? Um, I mean, if we're talking Fish itself, between '95, my first show, summer of '95, and um, let's see, and you say it's about 2000. I saw them 12 times, which is probably more than any band I've ever seen. Wow. But I mean, but, it, it, but it, it's a lot, but like in that, in that scene, it's not a lot because there's people I know have seen fish like a hundred and hundred plus times. And so like, we were just like, Oh, let's go see them. They're going to play three times in the, you know, in the all, uh, Albany area. They'll be playing in Saratoga, Albany and somewhere in like Western New York and, we would see three shows, you know, on this tour. Then in the fall tour, we'd see them twice. You know, it's like so. It, was, it didn't take long to get up to those numbers, but yeah, it's like it's it's kind of me- like it's, it's confusing to myself even looking back. And then I seen some of these other bands like the Banana Blackout. They just used to play in the clubs in Albany. And um, I love that name actually. The more that's a cool I name. Stare, yeah, that's the more cool I name. stare at it, the more I'm like, wait, that is a really cool name. Yeah, they were a cool. I mean, they were. I, they they might have only existed for six months. I don't really know. I know I saw them. They were like an offshoot of one of these other. Uh, I think maybe I can't remember some other jam band. And I saw them in a club, and the female lead singer kind of had like a Janis Joplin vibe. And they were they were like more bluesy than a lot of this stuff is like like funk and you know fish is like like especially the early stuff just very like you know bouncy funky jammy, um, but. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but there was, the, the thing is, like, there's, like, this absurdity to this stuff. Like, even, like, the names, obviously, are r- ridiculous. But then there's no there's no edge to it. Like, I was thinking, like, if you think of, like, 90s absurdist humor, like, there's, you know, like, Conan O'Brien and Beck was great, absurd kind of approach to things. But, you know, for every song, like, Loser, which was kind of, like, absurd and and nihilistic there was like some songs like uh soul sucking jerk or the truck driving neighbors downstairs that were kind of like edgy and dark and so like these jam bands never had any bad vibes in them they never seemed to want to explore anything besides like we're like we're grooving out you know that that was kind of the thing i think like there was no balance in their in their songwriting yeah it all just kind of flows together the endless the endless jam yeah, I will say for Fish, my older sister was really into Fish, and she had all of 
their CDs, and so I listened to them. And I did like one of them. I did think Billy Breathes was a pretty cool album. But yeah. I can go back and listen to some. I was listening today, like um, Billy Breathes. I like I like Hoist. That that was the one that I saw like '95, I think '94, '95. It came out, and uh, it had uh, Down with Disease, which was like a, a, a video that was featured on Beavis and Butthead. That was kind of their their I don't know peak 90s era stuff and I, I can listen to some of those songs yeah I, I mean and I was listening to a live one that's called that was big when we were in high school I could take it for like a song or two but then after that I'm like yeah I'm good yeah so when you brought up this topic to me earlier this week it got me thinking because you brought up you know the abs absurdist and fatalist comedy of sort of that era and it got me thinking about that time was apolitical compared to today but also in a way it was sort of kind of like, hey, we don't, we're not even gonna fight back because we're not gonna play that game. We're just gonna completely separate. And I feel like it's reflected in movies like singles and say anything, just sort of this whole like, we're gonna, it was political in the sense of we're not even gonna play the game of dealing with authority and we're just gonna do our own thing. And maybe the jam bands kind of reflected that in a way. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're, I think Reality Bites also fits into that, like, right, in terms of movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Actually, so I, I think, think that's what I, I think that's what I meant when I said say anything. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just like post-Reagan era where I think people were really disillusioned after, after four years of Reagan, and then it's like, well, let's get, you know, let's, let's get somebody more pre uh, progressive in there, and then it was like, okay, here's Bush, and, you know, Bush Sr., and I was like, I think people were were just like, I think yeah, it was I think a reaction like you're saying like to being not even being like we're gonna we're gonna fight for this point of view or this candidate or whatever maybe it was just like this is just absolutely absurd at this point. So in, in some regards, I think that's you know that's it's cool and I get that, but like there seem to be it, I mean there's different there's different approaches to that or different um, I think that like somebody like Beck or um, I think of um, MTV 120 Minutes, like that show as being like um, kind of edgy. Not that it was political in any way, but like um, it was funny, and but in a acerbic way and in a very dark way in some cases. And the music that was being played on that show was like the like representative of that. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else on this? Or should we go to the quote of the week? No, I think we should, we should, yeah, let's go to the quote of the week. Okay, so quote of the week is from Theodore Roosevelt. I don't think he needs any introduction to our listeners, but anyone who doesn't know, he was president of the United States in the early 1900s. So the quote from him is, comparison is the thief of joy. Uh, it's a quote I've always liked because it sort of reminds you that Jealousy is no fun, and it's not really going to do any good. And if your goal is, if your goal is to just not have less than anyone, it's not a game you're ever going to win. So, you know, at some point, and so you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't try to obtain things and accomplish things, but do it because you actually want the thing, not because you want to outdo somebody else. Yeah, and I, I had never heard this quote before. Um, and I was just curious, like, so you're saying, yeah, is there, is there more context to this? Because you're taking it that, like, you're saying comparison to other other people and what they have. Is that the idea? Yeah, I think that's the idea, basically. Yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't remember the exact context of this quote. It was a quote I remembered from high school. And then, uh, I, I looked it up just to make sure it was actually a quote from him. Yeah, I was because when I first saw it, it was um, it's very economical and thinking about it, it was like, is it? I was thinking it even a more broader sense of like, I don't know, like when you compare anything to anything, like um, trying to think of an example, like oh, like just like a meal you had, if you like, if you compare it to like, well, this is good, but it's not as good as this other meal I had or this beer. Um, I guess just it's kind of like the sense of like being happy with what you have, right? 
yeah, I think it's 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 being happy with what you have, and it's also, uh, it, it's I think it's also the idea of just not not comparing yourself to what you know what what you don't have, and you know one of the I forget who I heard say this, but he said one of the things about being jealous is you know not only do you want what someone else has, but you want to keep everything you already have. So it's you know. If if you're looking at someone saying, "Hey, I want that thing they have," you're not really thinking about what did they have to do to themselves to get that thing, and what yeah. do I have that they don't? Right, right. Yeah, that's a good quote. I'm not familiar with like a lot of uh, Theodore Roosevelt stuff, but I, I can I can dig into this. Cool, cool. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I think that brings us to the end of the app. Any any last Parting thoughts or words? Uh, I think that's about it. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, don't forget to send us mailback questions if you have any. All right. Yeah. We'll catch you on the next episode of Plastic Cup. <laughs> of Plastic Cups inside Paper Cups inside Plastic Cups. See you later. Peace out, everyone. One, two, three. Yes, I might.